Welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. We're dispensing stories of success from across the continuum of care. I'm your host, Hillary Blackburn. Thanks for joining us to learn from leaders throughout the pharmacy industry. Hey listeners, in this episode, we are talking about prenatal, postnatal, and baby nutrition. This is really top of mind for me as I recently had my first baby girl in August of this year and have been following uh, Dr. Lily Nanos uh, for quite some time. And she has the prenatal pharmacist on Instagram and has a lot of great content there. Be sure to check her out. Uh, but this is a really fun conversation to learn more about why she got into uh, this type of uh, niche within the pharmacy community and some of the, the common tips and things to help with uh, specifically baby nutrition and how to introduce foods. Hope you enjoy the episode. But before we get into the episode, I want to remind you that my book is now available on Amazon. Go check out how pharmacists lead answers from women who are leading, succeeding, and impacting pharmacy. It's a great book dedicated to women in pharmacy leadership. All right. So today we have a special guest on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Our guest is Lily Nanos, who is the nutrition and pharmacist consultant. She is also a retail pharmacist and has been working in the retail setting for the last 10 years. She is a graduate of the University of California in San Diego and uh, has her O Baby Academy Nutrition Consultant Certification that she completed uh, just this year. And she is specializing in nutrition for pregnancy, postpartum, and babies. So her passion lies in supporting mothers and babies through holistic nutrition and natural remedies. And um, so, yeah, excited to uh, have Lily, you on the show. Welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, thanks for joining us. And now that our listeners have heard a little bit about your background, maybe you could fill in any gaps from that intro or maybe share a little bit about your personal life. Yeah. So I have two little ones that I'm managing at home these days. Um, They are four and the younger one's almost two. So I am actually um, taking a bit of a break from retail pharmacy um, just to take care of them because daycare is closed. Mm -hmm. So while I'm home, I am doing nutrition consults and yeah, just all the home things. (laughs) Yes. I have been enjoying my maternity leave. So I'm enjoying all the home things, but going back and Balancing being a new mom and working is going to be um, interesting. So, um, well, Lily, you know, I just had a baby 10 weeks ago at the record this recording and uh, love starting to follow you on Instagram. You're putting some great content out there on uh just nutrition and all of the different things needed to have a healthy pregnancy, healthy things for baby. Tell us a little bit more about kind of what sparked your interest in, um, you know, doing that. And, um, yeah, just tell us a little bit more about that journey. 
Okay. So, um, I think it started with me trying to start a family and this was well over five years ago. And I didn't think much about it until, um, until I miscarried the first time. And then I had a repeat miscarriage. And then that's when I started to really dig deeper, starting with, you know, the internet and trying to research what I could best do to like help my body. And, um, I just remember like thinking now my OB was, you know, just saying, you know, you can just wait it out. Um, and it's probably going to be okay. And I went through, like, I would research everything and, um, Mm -hmm. even like all the alternative, um, the Eastern medicine and my parents had some ideas on taking herbals, Chinese herbals to kind of help out in the process. So that's kind of what sparked the, the journey into, um, into this whole side of what I'm passionate about now. And, and then later on in my second pregnancy, um, at the very end, I found out that my son was breech. And so of course I started looking into everything that I could to flip him around. Right. And there's a lot of like for mothers in that position, you'll soon learn to see that there's like acupuncture, there's mm-hmm. um, chiropractors who can do things. And um, so my son didn't actually flip over, but that was another, I think, event that really got me doing more digging and researching. Right. And so after, you know, I, I needed some time to just take care of the little ones. And about like a year after my second, that was when I decided, wow, I really like, there was like, when I was transitioning to then like, feeding him solid foods, every step along the way, I just felt like, okay, I had to dig more and research more. And I just became so involved in it and wanting to just share everything I learned um, that I decided to study more in depth for pregnancy, postpartum and babies. Mm -hmm. So that's really how the journey of it all evolved for me. Yeah. It, well, it's interesting because it's usually some kind of personal story. So, um, yes, I it took a while um, for not not a, a long time considerably, but I tried the acupuncture as well for trying to get pregnant and you know looking into those alternative therapies and things. I think I only tried it once, um, but in in chiropractic uh, care um, is supposed to be really great for, um, preparing to get your body ready to deliver a baby, getting your hips on alignment. And then after baby, you know, you're, you're carrying them in all different ways or on your hip or on your shoulder and picking them up and everything. So, um, yeah, man, it's so interesting. Um, and it's, it's really just a whole process. Uh, so Lily, you, also probably see, I think you mentioned that you see most of your clients now are focused on baby and how, cause there's so many food allergies these days, you know, when 
I was in school, I remember there was like maybe one kid in my class that had a peanut allergy. And now there are so many kids with um, egg allergies or, you know, dairy or this, you know, it's just very widespread. Um, What are you kind of seeing and what are you um, coaching people through to help uh, navigate that? Um, so there's, there's first, a, you know, there's the type of parents who are just not sure, like how to even navigate the transition to solid foods. Like mm. when, how should I start? What foods to start with? Those are more like the type of like a basic, you know, basic questions on how to transition. And then um, the the clients that reach out typically have something going on. So um, maybe they've had either eczema or there are babies who they have like, I, I don't want to be so graphic, but they have, um, you know, like they have mucus and bloody stools. And so mm-hmm. they tend to first see the pediatrician who then sometimes they'll refer them out to see like an allergist or a GI doctor. Um, And then, and then the next step in that process or somewhere along the way, they'll think of consulting a nutritionist or a dietitian to help see like what they could help out with the, the food aspect. Like, cause it's, it's very complex and there's, there's like, the immune system involved. So there's all sorts of components, but then the food component is definitely um, the side that I can help out with. And so that's kind of what I'm seeing. Um, And then the eczema side is where parents will see that there's like a recurring issue with eczema and they usually suspect that, oh, I think there's something either in my breast milk or when they're starting the foods, it's something in the foods and they can't pinpoint what it is exactly. Uh-huh. And so that's kind of mainly the, the problems and issues that I'm seeing. Okay. Uh-huh. Interesting. And so is that kind of how you decided to pursue the nutrition uh, certification through O Baby Academy? So when I pursued the academy, I was mainly going after um, pregnancy and postpartum nutrition. And the certification has an option to do all three. And then of course, you know, once you're a mom, you just can't focus on like the pregnancy and postpartum, then you got to focus on the uh, infant nutrition aspect. And it's hard for me to just stop learning at one point. And then, so I decided, let me just, um, learn everything I can. And it's such an, like a important time period. Like I think they, some people refer it to it as like the baby's first 1000 days. So that's Mm -hmm. kind of like the timeframe. It's like pregnancy, early postpartum, and then all the way up until they, until like two years old, I believe the first 1000 days. So Initially, my focus was uh, pregnancy and postpartum. And then I just now because I'm transitioning both of my kids through this process of, you know, from milk to foods, um, I just 
got so involved. And so it's such an interesting area. And what's interesting also is that I didn't learn any of this information from my pediatrician. And it's, I just noticed that it's either parents would have to like search through books or go on the internet. Um, yeah. (laughs) So when, uh, how would people know that they needed a food or a nutrition consult? Like what, how do you kind of, um, I guess, approach parents or, or how should, if a parent was listening and they're like, man, I've noticed a lot of like mucus in their stool or this or that, like how would they know that, oh, my child might have a food allergy. I need some additional help. Um, what would you tell them? So that's the tricky part. I feel like it's, it's actually kind of, um, difficult for parents to sometimes connect the dots of certain symptoms that are happening and connecting it to somehow that it's their gut, the baby's gut and digestive system, which is also linked to the immune system, having some sort of reaction and sensitivity to some food component. And I think how parents usually either realize that is the pediatrician would say uh, the first step they would usually advise is cut out a certain food like dairy. Yeah. And then that kind of sends them off, you know, researching on the internet. And I think people that end up finding me come to me through word of mouth um, because they've seen me online and then they'll hear like a friend talking about their baby having this issue. And then, they'll say, Hey, you should check out, um, Lily on Instagram. And then that's how they end up finding me. It's really interesting. (laughs) Interesting. Yeah. So it's really a lot of word of mouth. And because I post so constantly, I think people like they think of me at the top of their minds, the people who are following me. And so it just becomes like, check out Instagram account and maybe you can like find more information. So that's how it usually I think people start connecting the dots. Oh, hey, like there's there could be a food source uh, side or component to like figuring out resolving the issues that we're having. Yeah, that's so interesting. Yeah, I think social media is where people spend most of their time. And so they want to get they spend a lot of their time there. And so they want to get their information from social media. So having a, a good social media presence is important and, you know, spending that time. Um, and it has definitely become harder for me as I've, you know, just wanted to kind of enjoy full on baby, but, um, it is just, yeah, it's so important. And that's amazing to see how it's, uh, grown your, um, business and, and, you know, gotten you in front of more and more people. And a quick break from our sponsors who want to get in front of more people to let them know about the importance of drug disposal. The Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast is lucky to have RX Destroyer sponsoring the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. RX Destroyer is transforming the drug disposal space by bringing your facility and patients a simple and effective method of safely disposing of unused, unwanted medications. If you're worried about drugs, and federal rules compliance, 
Learn how RX Destroyer can keep you DEA compliant by checking out www.rxdestroyer.com slash Hillary Blackburn. So Lily, what would you, um, what, what are your thoughts kind of on why we're seeing the increase in allergies and food sensitivities, um, you know, today versus years ago? Hmm. I think, I mean, there's a lot of theories, um, on this one is just the, the lifestyle is so different and how we are exposed to, you know, things like bacteria and the, the exposure is, has gotten, has been, or changed, um, in our like current modern day life. Cause I was reading into this a while back and it's interesting that like they, these factors that help children build, you know, a strong, um, immune system where they don't respond to like food allergies or respond to food proteins and things like that. Um, they're, what reduces that risk of that happening is exposure to just all sorts of like germs, like being out in the, in the woods, like in the dirt, letting your baby just even like crawl in the backyard, in the garden, um, having that type of exposure. We, I think nowadays we are more of like a indoor type of lifestyle. We don't, we're not as messy and outside, Um, that's one aspect of it. There's, I think the diet has changed also Mm -hmm. the foods that we're eating. Um, I mean, that's, it's different for, you know, each family, but if you're eating like a lot of packaged or pre-cooked or processed foods that can affect how, how much nutrients we're getting, how strong of an immune system we're developing, Um, I'm one of my like big interests is looking in, into how people used to eat, um, like back in the old days where, you know, like there was no processed like baby food jars and pouches. Like I think (laughs) moms would be like chewing off meat and kind of like um, feeding their babies, like baby bird style. So like, Hmm. it's, it's, and that kind of exposure to like, just food that's not completely pasteurized is, I think all these different aspects pretty much has, has changed our, like our response. That is so fascinating. And, you know, we, we aren't there yet. We're only at 10 weeks. And, um, you know, I was researching just a little bit uh, into, you know, when to start solid foods. Um, but I think I'd seen a chart that um, some of, you know, like Gerber or some of these other like baby food companies were recommending in the introduction earlier and earlier. And then now, of course, we've kind of gone back to and saying, oh no, you know, at least six months or, you know, I guess I've even seen some say at least four, but there are some recommendations to wait until six months. So what is, what do you usually guide on that? Um, that time. And then, yeah. Yeah. On the timeline. 
Yeah. So the, so this is really interesting because I know that like when we see our pediatricians, they'll, they like to give like a, a month, like a timeline. Um, and I like to just use that as like a rough guide. And mainly it's because I, from what I, you know, learned and researched, um, it's kind of like how when babies start walking, they all walk at, they're all developmentally ready at different time points. Mm -hmm. Kind of how their digestive systems are too. It's not, Hmm. we're not all exactly ready uh, at six months uh, or at four months, which is what used to be recommended. Um, and it's, um, you know, I would just kind of look for cues from each individual child and go from that versus just a number. It's usually around six months, um, is kind of when the, like the intestinal lining is like the permeability of it is kind of, um, the, the, like the gaps and the junctions, they're all sealed up and it's mature enough to handle and accept and digest foods so that they're not, um, you know, still immature where it, the food particles are like undigested and it could trigger an immune response. So it's around that six month time frame, And then it's also de- uh, dependent on how cer- certain developmental markers that the baby has reached. So whether they are kind of sitting up for the most part, um, unassisted, they're not toppling over right away. And that kind of can indicate that they're like the stomach, um, the intestinal muscles are strong enough to digest and move the food along. So um, the things that I advise to look for is uh, are whether they're sitting up unassisted pretty well. Um, they can't, they also, you know, for the most part lost this like tongue thrust reflex. So if I remember when I introduced food to my son really early and I would put a spoonful of food in his mouth, his tongue would automatically stick out and push it back out. And that's just part of the, like the safety mechanism. I don't know if you've heard of that. (laughs) And it, um, yeah, it's like they'll automatically thrust the food back out to just uh, prevent from choking and, you know, prevent from gagging. And so that's another one. Um, they're sitting up. They also, their hands, they'll use like their entire palm to grab onto food and, um, they'll start like, uh, reaching for things, grabbing and putting it in their mouths. Although this one's a little tricky because they'll put any random object in their <laughs> mouth at that point. So it's, it's not necessarily, oh, my baby wants to eat. Um, mm-hmm. but it has to be along with all of the other signs. Yeah. Yeah. So those are the things to look for. Fascinating. Okay. And then, so another one, uh, you can tell by the, my questions, I'm totally a, a new mom. Um, but this, this is so needed for, for moms. Um, and so I'm, I'm glad you're doing this. So, you know, I think we've all, uh, the, the kind of, 
old school way of introducing foods or that I've I have heard um, was giving babies cereal. And then some people would try to give cereal to like fill up their stomach so they would sleep through the night or, you know, whatever. And then, of course, now, you know, cereal has a lot of like sugars and this and that. And so it probably isn't the top food to like the first food that you want to introduce to your baby. So what would be kind of like your first food that you would say, this is probably a safe bet if you want to introduce some kind of solid food to baby. Hmm. Okay. So yeah, you're right about the cereal. Um, it, it just has a lot of like fortified nutrients, like iron is a, is a big one. Um, and the thing about that is that the fortified iron can sometimes just be a little hard on such an immature digestive system at that point. Um, so, but we do want to focus on iron rich foods, um, in the beginning and something that, because I tend to work with a lot of moms who the babies do have, um, sensitivities. So to start slow, I think a really great food, if it's even called a food is, um, broth and it's, mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily have to be bone broth because I know that that's like, so, you know, trending and it's like <laughs> the health food, but, uh-huh. um, I'm, I'm Chinese and my parents, you know, they are very traditional Chinese parents who, and so we grew up eating a lot of Chinese broths and soups and, in the, I think in Chinese medicine and Chinese culture, mm-hmm. that is a very, like, it's a very safe food for, to ease the the digestion, especially when transitioning to foods or like, especially, or even when in cases when you're like healing, when you're sick or like coming out of surgery or anything where you just want to like slowly introduce food back, broth is just an amazing very nourishing and healing food. Uh-huh. And so like um like just a whole chicken that's cooked in uh in a pot of water with um, like you could start off with maybe not a whole lot of vegetables if you want it to be safe and make sure, you know, your baby wasn't reacting to a bunch of things. But it doesn't have to be like a tw- you know, like a 12 or 20 hour long uh simmering process. I liked the, my pressure cooker, the instant pot, or it could just be like a four or five hour. Like, Hmm. like if you think about chicken noodle soup, how like that's just so comforting and nourishing. And there's actually like a good reason why it's like so desired and it feels so good when we're sick. So like, I think that's a really good first food that I, I usually recommend that, um, simple chicken broth because It has, and I also recommend boiling it with the whole chicken, not just the bones, because that's what the recommendation is for bone broth. But I like to add in the meat. Um, there's chicken skin has a lot of nutrients. The like the the cartilage components on the wings, the drums. Um, I don't even necessarily have to, you know, recommend all the weird ingredients like people that are, they call them weird, like chicken feet or anything like that. You don't have to, it, as long as you just include the whole chicken with the meat, 
um, get that simmering and all these nutrients are just going into the broth. And it's such an easy one to start with. I love it. Man, that is so, so fa- I would, I would not have thought of that, but I love that tip. I will have to try that. Um, and I still don't have an instant pot, but I guess I should put that on my list for Christmas. So, <laughs> um, being a new mom, you've got to have quick and easy, but healthy recipes. And I love, always love to cook. Um, I quite, um, honestly, I have just tried blue apron for the first time and, and I'm not sponsored by Blue Apron or anything. That would be great if they, <laughs> but um, yeah, that it, it makes cooking uh, at home uh, still enjoyable because all of the ingredients are there. I'm sure there are, are a number of other services, but um, yeah, very fascinating. Well, Lily, um, man, this is so interesting and I probably could have a gazillion questions um, <laughs> since yeah, since like this is definitely like hitting home um, for me, and I'm sure a lot of other uh, new mamas. And so, you know, you're going through this process with them. Um, but as our final question, I, I always ask all of our guests, what is some piece of advice that you would tell your younger self or for other pharmacists out there who are just getting started in their career? Ah, um, Wow. (laughs) I think I would say um, just keep an open mind um, in that I think at that time I felt like for my whole life I I needed to have a lot of things figured out. Like I wanted, I needed to know where my future was going to be headed. Like, and I feel like a lot of pharmacists have a similar type of, um, you know, yeah, our mentality where we want to know, like, how we're going to retire, even like everything, yeah, like a plan. And I think if I would, if I could tell myself, you know, my younger self, some uh, advice would be to just things, you just have to embrace things as they come. And we can't control everything in our careers, in our family life. I mean, of course, with pregnancy and children, that's totally not under in our control even. So it's just to, to, you know, understand that and um, have some compassion when, you know, things don't go as, as you thought they would. Mm hmm. Awesome. I totally relate to that. And speaking of babies, I hear mine crying and wanting to be fed. So um, I will have to, I could keep talking about this because this is so fascinating, but I'm so thankful, Lily, for you uh, joining us on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Thank you. So glad to be here. Awesome. Thanks so much. To hear more about pharmacists in leadership, be sure to check out my new book now available as an ebook and paperback on Amazon. Go over to Amazon and search for How Pharmacists Lead, answers from women who are leading, succeeding, and impacting pharmacy. And I hope you check it out. And if you liked this episode, please subscribe. 
rate and review this podcast. It helps us to get in front of more pharmacists and others interested in the pharmacy industry. We really appreciate your support in sharing this content. Thanks for listening to this episode of Talk to Your Pharmacist, produced by the Pharmacy Advisory Group. If you liked this episode, let us know by subscribing to the podcast, rating, and reviewing it. Share it with friends. And if you want to be a guest or know a pharmacist leader who has a great story to tell, connect with me, Hillary Blackburn, on LinkedIn and check out our Facebook page, Pharmacy Advisory Group, for updates on new podcasts. Thanks for listening. 